since bursting onto the scene with the 1999 film The Matrix, the Wachowski siblings have had up and down success with the critics and the box office alike, but have never failed to deliver visually outstanding films. Their latest is Jupiter Ascending, starring Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis. And this week, Steven and I are sitting down to give it a good old-fashioned review. Lights, camera, podcast. This is Zach on Film. Welcome to a new episode of Zach on Film, the second episode of the new, new format. Last week we talked American Sniper and Creator uh, Responsibility. Now this week we're going to go back to a movie review, kind of like we did for the first two years of Zach on Film, except we're not doing a, an American classic. We're going to the new box office releases. Uh, so Stephen and I are uh, going to talk Jupiter Ascending from the Wachowski siblings, uh, it came out uh, that first week, I guess second week of February, and uh, we went and watched it this week. And so now we're going to give you, a, a, you know, we're going to talk a lot about the special effects and the stories and where the Wachowskis are going after this film. It's a pretty good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. After that, we will be giving a little bit of listener feedback on the film, an email coming in from last week's show, and then uh, Zach's cut is up later also. But first, let's listen to Stephen and I review Jupiter Ascending. Are you a fan of the Wachowski films? <sighs> that is so hard because the first Matrix movie I thought was brilliant because of all the themes and everything that it touched on. Mm-hmm. Two and three of the Matrix? Meh. Yeah. Cloud Atlas? Really pretty good. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Speed Racer? I can yeah. give two craps about heard, that. Heard that was not good, but for some reason it's getting like a cult following. Now yeah, it's yeah. getting on like uh, on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. But they just came out their most recent release uh, with Jupiter Ascending this last week. And you and I both went to the theater and we watched it. Now we're going to talk why about it. Why did we watch this movie? Tell me why we watched this why movie. Why did we pick this movie? Because One, I'm like so close to jumping across this <laughs> table and just beating the crap out of you for picking this movie. Well, you know, the new format of Zach on film, we decided every month, let's, yes. let's, let's, let's look at a movie. Yes. Uh, why this one, though? Why this movie? Because of the Wachowskis. All right. The Wachowskis sold this movie for me, uh, and it was supposed to come out last summer. Yeah, that's right. It had it a big was, push. Yeah, right. Uh, and then it got... Uh, all of a sudden, push back to February. What a horrible month to release a movie in. Yeah, boy. Uh, so, you know, I'm still interested in it because Wachowskis, I think, put out visually interesting films that push a lot of stuff. They do. Uh, had some big stars attached to this with Channing yep. Tatum and Mila Kunis. Yep. And uh, Eddie Redmayne, hmm. who's up for Golden Globe, won, uh, won a Golden Globe, up for an Oscar with his performance in Theory of Everything as Stephen Hawking. Didn't have one of the uh, Lannisters in it from Game of Thrones? Wasn't he the... Ma- that's, that's possible. I've actually never watched any oh, of okay. Game of Thrones. All right. So it's got some star power behind it. I said, surely this won't be a flop. Is it a flop, Stephen? Okay, so this movie does something where it's trying to build some... There's so many themes, so many ideas, so many things that are going on on the medicines mm-hmm. of the storytelling of this movie. But what ends up happening is half-naked Channing Tatum rollerblading through the atmosphere. Yeah. With M- Mila Kunis just screaming mm-hmm. her head off the entire time. 
Yes. It is not a good movie. It is so this is that that uh that element of, you know, a whole new world, right? Where sure. Kunis discovers that she is the quote unquote reincarnation of this uh, universal uh, queen of the universe mm-hmm. uh, who's been around for 91,000 years. And even though people may not believe in reincarnation, which I think was the interesting part of this film, the way the DNA chain spirals around, someone's eventually going to have the exact same yeah. DNA as someone else who's dead. And when that happens, you essentially have been reincarnated and you have claimed to everything that they've done. Yeah, very one interesting. Of, one of the things that is the, the crux of this is the planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And that uh, humans have been uh, planted across the universe to be harvested at some point to have their essences broken down to create this thing that will uh, extend your life. And in the case of uh, the three bad guys, the family in this, mm-hmm. the what is the the, the Armises or whatever yeah, they're, they're called. Yeah, or something. Uh, they've been around for the queen, who Mila Kunis is the reincarnation of, right. Jupiter Jones. The queen was around for 91,000 years. Right. Uh, the daughter has been around for 41,000 or 14, Some, 41,000 or 14,000 in four days, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very, very long uh, time. But mm-hmm. the movie just doesn't take off for me. And I think the biggest insult was... This is one of those uh, quest kind of things where the adventurer will be put before three different villains. And each time that that hero must defeat each of the villains Mm -hmm. in order to obtain the quest or obtain the the boon. In this case, Earth is being the boon. Mm -hmm. Mila Kuna should be that person who is able to defeat metaphorically, physically, mentally, whatever these three houses or these three um, siblings siblings, Mm -hmm. so that she can retain the rights to the earth. But each time she meets them, she's an idiot. And I do not like the fact that, uh, you know, this female lead is basically played off as the idiot Mm -hmm. in this movie. Mm -hmm. Oh, in order to save the planet earth, you must marry me in this, uh, in this contract. It has nothing to do with love. Uh, it has everything to do with business, and you will be able to protect the earth. Secretly, I'm going to murder her the minute the ceremony is complete. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I will marry you. Well, duh. What'd you think was going to mm-hmm. happen? Oh, uh, you. I will steal your real family so that you will sign over the deed to Earth to me, so that uh, so that you can live, and then and tomorrow I'll come and harvest your bodies. Oh, okay, I will do that. Dumb. It's just dumb. Zach, and I hate you for making me. <laughs> and then this whole thing with uh, splice genetic peoples right. and, and Channing Tatum Wolf Boy with wings yes. and anti-gravity rollerblades. Now, the anti-gravity rollerblades had me sold. I thought, that's way better than a skateboard. Let's forget Back to the Future, too. Let's get some anti-gravity, anti-gravity rollerblades. Roller Sweet tricks. The... Just the story was really bad. The story and, was bad. And what really should have happened if the Wachowskis were to have done this right was that the uh, the daughter, uh, the first one that she meets, the first house that yes. she goes to, in the first movie, she would have had to have figured out a way to defeat her. And that mm-hmm. would have been your first movie. And oh, by the way, the other two brothers are coming in the next two movies and you're going to have to defeat yeah. them. This felt very much like I'm reading 
a book like a Harry Potter series or a, a Twilight series or just really this felt a lot like Twilight from everything that I've heard about Twilight and how the girl is entered into this world and she must make these decisions, mm-hmm. pro or con or whatever. But that's not how this movie came out. It felt like they were trying to develop a franchise, but then they jammed it all into one film and it was a horrible film because of it. Yeah, it really does give the sense of a franchise feeling, especially in the current state of filmmaking where if you're going to make a world as developed as they made for this one film, you're doing that so you can make three more films after the one you've already made. Because there's a lot of deep lore with all these houses. Yeah, there was. This this whole system of we own planets to harvest these humans. Yes, it was a very deep world, and I really Mm -hmm. appreciated that. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. Oh, too bad our central character is dumb as a rock and can't figure out how to, to, you know, figure out that. Well, I mean, I guess she does eventually at the end realize that a billion people or however many people are, seven billion people on the planet are more important than her family. Right. But it's still so awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, they explain vam- vampire lore, yeah. dragons, yeah. werewolves, UFO sightings, yeah. all within like 30 that, minutes that of the film. Was, that stuff was kind of cool. Yeah, all good stuff. But then you're right. There's like weird plot holes that they just completely live at, uh, like don't even address. Like uh, for her for the planet not to revert back to the sister yeah. of the Abrax siblings. Yeah. She's going to have to she's going to have to she's, she's going to have to live. Yeah, she's right? going to have to kill be, the humans. That can be a whole plot of the second movie mm-hmm. of she's going to have to regenerate herself or rejuvenate herself, de-age herself yeah. if she's going to outlast these other guys so that the earth isn't harvested. Mm-hmm. Maybe she doesn't care about that. Maybe she does. I don't know. We don't find out and we won't find out in this movie because People hated this movie so much that they've already said the Wachowskis will never make another feature, a studio film again. Yeah, well, not even people. The Wachowskis, before it even came out, were like, yeah, we are never going to get big budget studio money again. Is it because they knew that this was going to be a flop, or was it because they want to go a different direction? Um, Or they want to go like a Kevin Smith, Patreon kind uh, of? I I think it was more of like, I don't know if they're going to be trusted to do it, because... Um, what was the budget on this movie? $170 million. So much money. It is up on the screen. I mean, there's a lot of really great visual effects, and there's a lot of really cool... There's a lot of cool special effects in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what Channing Tatum's getting right now. What's Magic Mike going for? He's probably making uh, $20 probably, million, probably. Yeah, probably 10, 20. Mila Kunis is probably making... Same range. $20 million. Yeah. Sean Bean's probably $20 million. Now that the guy did, well, of course. Eddie Redmayne's probably lower because he probably yeah, didn't have as much he, clout then. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, it did look like they were using some actors that they had in Cloud Atlas before, especially mm-hmm. the bounty hunter characters. So, yeah, I can see that. And between their payday, between those five actors and their payday, mm-hmm. there's $100 million right there. And then you do $70 million in special effects. I, I can see yeah. where the money went. It's just too bad that the end result was something that. Visually, it's very pretty, but otherwise, it's kind of a waste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is which is sad. Now, I went and saw this in 3D because I wanted to. I like I said, I was basically dragging myself, kicking and screaming <laughs> to this film. Yes. Um, so I wanted to see it as late as I possibly could, which was a uh, 10 o'clock showing, mm-hmm. and the only one that they had at that time was 3D. So I figured, well, if it's already going to be a horrible movie, I might as well punish myself to the extreme <laughs> and make it a 3D movie. Yeah, it really wasn't that bad as a 3D movie. Was it a because I can imagine some sequences like the 800 different save uh, 
Jupiter from falling yes. and from people fighting sequences they had. Yes. That uh, there are a lot of stuff flying at the screen of you. Um, they, they did do that occasionally, but they did try to keep it to a minimum. But okay. yes, when she's falling down and there's debris and stuff that she's I'm falling sure, yeah. through, you really get the sense that that stuff is, is going on. Uh, the scene where the bees, if I remember, it was, you Ooh, know, yeah. traditionally or lately in 3D films, they try not to break that plane. Mm-hmm. But I, I thought occasionally myself, I thought I saw the bees coming out from the screen a little bit and then back into the screen mm-hmm. uh, during that part. But uh, for the most part, I was really impressed with the with the 3D elements of That's this. Good. Um, there were some times where it's a little disturbing, like when you're doing an over-the-shoulder shot, and you can tell that, wow, this is this is a 3D yeah. effect that's going on. Um, but from the 3D standpoint, I thought it was fine. I thought the action was fine. I just, what a horrible, just a horrible story. Now, I don't know what this says about, I don't know what this says about kids these days, <laughs> but I thought up until about five minutes before the movie was going to begin, that uh, I was going to be the only one in the theater. Mm-hmm. And I thought that when I walked into the theater and said I'd like a 10 o'clock ticket for the uh, crap movie, yeah. Jupiter Ascending, uh, that they were like, oh, crap, you mean we're going to have to stick around to run this and, uh-huh. be the, and for this one guy. But like five, 10 minutes before the movie began, it must have been fraternity night. And oh, really? Night because like three whole roles were taken up with fraternities, or I'm guessing they were fraternities, um, just a bunch of guys all coming in, a bunch of girls all mm-hmm. coming in together. Uh, to watch this thing. So there are about 30, 40 people in the audience. And I think they really dug it because they're like, and I think it must have also been the very first 3D movie that most of them seen because, mm-hmm. you know, the whole opening bit where they're showing the 3D stuff, they're like, oh, wow, man, this is oh. cool. And they kept referring to Spy Kids 3D as the last 3D movie that they saw. And oh, they wow. Like, and they were like, man, these these glasses are top of the line because when I saw Spy Kids 3D, they were paper <laughs> and red and blue and they kept going on about it. I was like, shut up. <laughs> So I think they got a kick out of it. Maybe maybe I'm not the audience for this. I would think that people who are into the Hunger Games or people that are into the Twilight series or that kind of stuff might be into this movie. It might be into seeing Jupiter Ascending. Mm-hmm. And certainly from the trailer and the visuals, it looks spectacular. But yeah. unfortunately, the story just doesn't work. No, it really doesn't pan out uh, at well. Because, I mean, I think with the exception of like Cloud Atlas, which I think had a really deep really integrated story yeah, yeah. working out the source material. Some of the, I mean, a lot of the Wachowski stuff is a lot of visually uh, nice things to look at with the stories not doing so hot. Besides the Matrix, which had a nice story. The very first movie the very had, first a very, one, had a very good uh, premise. Then you get the second and third one, you get a lot of visual effects mm-hmm. with some not, so, with some, like, some second tier stories going yeah. along with them. Yeah. Uh, which has kind of been their downfall uh, well, especially uh, when you look at yeah, when you look at uh, Speed Racers, the mm-hmm. same way, very visual heavy. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll say all the chase, the, the rollerblading, sky rollerblading yeah. stuff reminded me very much like the race sequences from uh, Speed Racer. Really? Yeah. Uh, I know box office wise, Jupiter Ascending is not going to make its money back. I think it made about seventeen million dollars in the states. Ooh, I think something ouch. like uh, maybe thirty to f- thirty million. Uh, internationally, I don't remember how countries is open in, um, but comparing that to Cloud Atlas and Speed Racer, it's actually coming up on top. Cloud Atlas took a dump at the box office yeah. in America. Yeah, because people couldn't get their minds. Yeah, people didn't want to get it. Yeah, uh, Speed Racer did okay. I don't think it made its money back at all. Um, which again leads to that whole thing of the Wachowskis probably not going to get studio money again to make a uh, hundred and fifty dollar mil, uh, hundred fifty million 
special effects movie. Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it will be interesting because I know that they have a really big following. Yeah. And I can appreciate what the what the duo of, are doing uh, with what they're doing. I just wish that they could... I wish they could take a class or something on... Because they wrote this script. Right. They almost you know, write all of them. And again, you watch this movie and you feel like this is... This is a book adaptation. I mean, it oh, yeah. really feels yeah. that way. But I think they need to sit down with somebody and just say... We need help or we need to learn how to tell a story. I, we want to put all of these ideas in here about reincarnation and uh, evolution and uh, longevity and time. Mm-hmm. And we want to put all these concepts and ideas into our film. And the person they're working with needs to say, stop. Put one idea into the film and craft everything around mm-hmm. that. So if it's reincarnation, great. If it is um, time travel, great. If it's you know splicing technology and seeding human life, great. But everything else needs to be removed of it because too much information, people can't grasp a hold of it, mm. and we fall out the bottom going, what did I just say? Yeah, it, either that or they need to stop writing their own stuff and I, get a, a writer collaborator too. they can work with. Because uh, Cloud Atlas, an adapted material uh, that they also co-wrote and directed with Tom Triker, mm-hmm. uh, so they had another person in there to bounce ideas off of and uh, go back and forth on and. I mean, that movie is something I enjoyed almost as much as The Matrix. I thought that movie is extremely underrated. Yeah, it really is underrated. And it's really a good movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot. Of of all the Wachowski movies, it would probably be Matrix followed by Cloud Atlas. Mm-hmm. Those would be my top two. And then after that, it's like, you know, throw throw That's a rock great. because yeah. <laughs> I really don't care to see any of the other yeah. movies. Uh, so, I mean, do you think the visuals are the best aspect of the film? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The visuals are really good. And... Um, I'm also troubled by a lot of it, too, because, uh-huh. and I know that they try to write it off as we're going to mind wipe everybody so they don't remember, and, sure. and we're going to go and repair all this damage that we caused. Uh-huh. But, you know, the very opening, Jupiter Jones and um, M- Magic Mike, right? Is that who it is? Channing Tatum and Magic Mike? Are being chased through Chicago by these gray aliens who are called the Keepers. And I like the explanation of what, you know, their existence. Yeah. But they are blowing the crap out of the city. I mean, major buildings are getting yeah. blown up. Things are falling from the sky and crashing into the streets. And we only see one or two pedestrians. There's a car that comes at them that, yeah. that almost wrecks. And there's one other there's one other person, thing, whatever, driving a car or something. Mm-hmm. This is Chicago. Buildings are blowing up and falling apart. There are spaceships flying around, and you can't tell me that you can't put CGI-generated people on the street or anything like that. Mm. The minute that I saw that, I'm like, where are all the people? Where are the people that are running in panic? Where are these shots of, I mean, it's probably five o'clock when this chase scene happens. The sun has not set. So it's probably earlier than that. It takes place Mm -hmm. in the wintertime. And there's nobody in the offices. The streets aren't packed. The minute that that hit on the screen, and this is early in the movie, this is like... I want to say 15, 15 minutes, minutes into the movie. About, yeah. I checked out because it's like, I can only suspend my disbelief so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when uh, Jupiter Jones is saying, well, people are going to know about this. People are going to know that aliens exist. And Channing Tatum is like, no, uh, look behind you. We're already doing the repair and we're going to mind wipe everyone. And those people that we don't get are going to be crazy anyway. So who's going to believe them? From that point on, I was out of that movie. Mm-hmm. Visually, very, very pretty. Yeah, very good. And I, unfortunately, I don't think you can make movies that are only special effects driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Michael Bay 
has done that successfully, right? Because he's he doesn't care. Yeah. He's like, I blow stuff up, and that's my movies. Yeah. And he doesn't care. He's, he's going home with a billion dollars. Yeah. He's been able to piggyback off a franchise. Yes. So that's helped. And so he doesn't really care about acting or storytelling or any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe he does. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. being somewhat mean. But um, he's Michael Bay, and people know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I think the Wachowskis, after this film, have, as they recognized, ruined it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Focus on the story. Tell a story. If you can throw in special effects and a elephant man flying a spaceship, go for it. Joe, <laughs> uh, so do you think this they made the right decision to push this film back to February? I mean, if, if we're just thinking it's just release date, not thinking they need well, more time for special yeah. effects or anything, do you think the pushback from release date, which I believe was going to be a late July release initially in 2014... Pushing this back to February was the right choice for Warner Brothers? Well, look, um, it wouldn't have made any money over the summer. You think you don't think it still would have made as much? I, I'm sure it would have made the exact same amount. Okay. But it would have been in everybody's radar as, you know, the big turkey of the year. Mm-hmm. So by putting it in February where everyone knows it's a dead period where we're going to dump all of our crap movies, mm-hmm. I think it softens the blow a little bit. Mm. Uh, the movie, so far as of this opening weekend, of this opening week, $176 million for the production budget, uh, domestically has made $19 million. Ugh. Foreign, $33 million. For a grand total of $53 million worldwide. Yeah. If we follow the 10-week prediction, uh, this movie will barely clear, clear, barely clear $100 million in uh, in 10 weeks. It might it might come close to its production budget. I doubt it. Yeah, um, but it's not going to get anywhere near. It's not going to so like almost a double marketing. It budget. actually it actually has to double its production budget in order to account for the marketing. Yeah, and to be honest, they it's haven't done honest. a lot of marketing on this. I think that they said that this is going to be a crappy movie. I have not seen any television commercials. I've only seen mm-hmm. the one or two trailers. Mm-hmm. I've not seen a lot of online marketing from it, for it. So maybe they might make a little money off this movie. But I feel bad for Mila Kunis because. She was much better in, uh, uh, oh, what was the movie where she was the puppet girlfriend uh, thing? Puppet girlfriend thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, uh, I'll find it here. Mila Kunis. Mila Kunis. You mean like uh, one of those rom-com movies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, with like Justin Timberlake or something. No, not with Justin Timberlake. No? No? I'll find it here. Okay. Uh, Yeah, because you know what? A lot of the aesthetics, I thought, rang close to Guardians of the Galaxy in like ship design and oh, yeah, outer yeah. space. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. a, it, I thought maybe it could have uh, ridden off some of the hype of that. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe yeah, you're probably right. I think it would have got dumped into a time where people were waiting for the next big thing to come out. Mm-hmm. Ooh, apparently Mila Kunis was in Annie. Oh, she was two movies apparently that she oh, that no. flopped. Um. Wow, she was in Oz the Great and Powerful as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was in that. I remember her from Ted. Thought she did a great time, great job in Ted. Uh, Black Swan, I still haven't seen that. Oh, she's really good in that. The hell movie am I thinking? Oh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I thought she was oh. great in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I think this, I think this, I think this movie hurt her reputation as an actress. Mm. I the, really think this movie hurt her reputation as an actress. And I think a lot of that does come from the script because I was watching it and they would leave in these 
really, I would classify them immature lowball jokes yeah, yeah. That, that made no sense until you compared it to something like Twilight or something yeah. for the age market then right. it absolutely makes sense yeah, yeah. but the way they let them in or just weird like laughs at these random jokes it was yeah, just yeah. really strange what was your audience reaction uh, my audience reaction I think there was probably about 20 of us in there um, did they seem to like it I would say no, not really. Mm, okay. No. Well, my theater cleared out as the minute that the credits hit. I wanted to stick oh, around really? and watch a little of the special effects DNA Zodiac stuff yeah, that, that was, was flipping around. That was kind of cool. And in yeah. 3D was kind of cool. Oh, I bet. But man, the theater cleared out like quick. I, I was, I think there's about 20 people in there. I stayed around until the, the nice really produced in credits. And then yeah. I know actually one person stayed through the whole credits. Uh, so... Not much. Sure, they hadn't died of boredom. Did you go check them? No, I saw her walk out of the theater. Oh, okay. So no, she was still there. Well, I, I just, you know, I, I just wish that the, and again, this is the, the key thing in all of this. You've got to focus on telling a good story. Mm. If you can't tell a good story, it's not going to matter a hill of beans what kind of special effects and and that the, that you put in it. And to be quite honest, I think that Matrix what grabbed so many people's attention was because it did use groundbreaking special effects Mm -hmm. with bullet time. And then on top of that, you had this idea of what is real, what isn't real Mm -hmm. in a time when people were somewhat paranoid towards the end of the century of, um, Y2K, Y2K and conspiracies and those kinds of things that may have helped boost that movie. But my God, it was just story, 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 mm-hmm. story, story, story. Always focus on story. I wish you would have made us go see The Kingsman of Secret Service instead of this. Well, that doesn't come out until this week. I know. It's Uh-oh. still February. Yeah, it's still February, I guess. Of, that's true. If we're doing one a month. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Uh, so uh, in my understanding of how we're going to do this uh, going forward now, not won't always be just you and me talking no. about movies. It's just whoever is available who's seen that movie wants to participate yeah. in, in that week. And we'll look forward to, see, I mean... If there's a bunch of good stuff, there's yeah, and there, why we and, can't do multiple. Yeah, and, and exactly. As we get closer to summer and big box offices um, releases, we may have nothing but an entire month of movie yeah. reviews every week. Yeah. Uh, just depending on. But uh, sorry, everybody. If yeah. you, uh, you want to see Jupiter Ascending, so I would say if you want to see Jupiter Ascending, mm-hmm. Dollar Movie Night or mm-hmm. Redbox Rental. There you go. Or wait for it to come out on... Uh, your uh, premium cable channel that you're already paying for because then you're not like paying extra for sure, this. Sure, sure. So one thing you would change to Jupiter Ascending script? I would make I would make Jupiter Jones a much smarter uh, character and a much stronger character mm-hmm. than she is. It's not until the end where she's beating the crap out of uh, the main bad guy who wants her dead that she actually shows some spine. The other stuff like, oh, I'm going to coax you into marrying me. She's like going through with it until yeah, Magic Mike strange. shows up. Um, when she's talking with the, uh, with the sister, um, her reincarnated daughter, whatever, uh, and she's learning about the world. That was interesting, but she's just still kind of going along with it. She doesn't, there's the whole bureaucracy scene where they're trying to reinstate her as the, the queen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't say anything during that entire time. Mm-hmm. She seems almost in having a good time going through the bureaucracy. And if you've seen the bureaucracy scene in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, that's what this scene is. That's yeah. what that whole sequence is. So, oh, Did you know uh, in that sequence of them trying to, like this space DMV, essentially, uh, yeah. the last guy they get to, like the weird eyepiece and stuff, yeah, yeah. you know who that was? Who? 
Terry Gilliam. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's I even weird. read that today. Freaked me out. Uh, so give it a rating. Give it a rating of uh, pointy wolf hybrid ear ears. <sighs> I'd say this is a wolf pup. Oh, a, a wolf pup. A wolf pup, not yeah. even a full wolf. Wow. I mean, it's like... Uh, I would I would give it a, a score of uh, you know 100% being awesome. Yeah. I would say you know this one gets some technical achievement merits but it still fails. I mean if this were a grade it would be a 60%. Mm. Uh and that's I think being generous. But I mean if you think of a grading scale and sure. you think 60 or below yeah. is a failure. <laughs> yeah. Um if you're going off of a star rating one and a half only because of technical. Wow. Also because I like Mila Kunis and also because I like uh, uh, Channing Tatum yeah. as people. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but other than that, I just, I cannot recommend this movie to anybody. Wow. Well, what I'm about just, you? Uh, I would probably go along the same line. I thought uh, Eddie Redman's character as the crazy brother was yeah, just yeah. overblown so to here's the point. Th- here's the thing that I, I was hoping afterwards, after the movie was over, I was like, oh, they didn't address this. Channing Tatum, half wolf or spliced wolf or mm-hmm. whatever, uh, got drummed out of the service because he attacked an elite, one of these upper class royalty people, by biting their neck. Mm-hmm. The, his character has constantly been wearing something high around his neck the entire time and talks with a raspy voice. Oh, yeah. I was just waiting for them to say that he's the one that he attacked. Yeah, that makes total sense. Doesn't it? Yeah. Ugh, this movie. With like The other thing is, like, why would the rich ruler people... Give all their servants wings. Why wouldn't they take the wings and yeah, fly yeah. around all the time? Yeah, yeah. That's just a weird thing. So you said earlier, not during this recording, but earlier, you said Cloud Atlas. There's a four-hour cut of Cloud Atlas. Yeah, there's an interview because the Wachowskis are working on a Netflix TV series. Right. Uh, that's supposed to be due out this fall. And he said the CEO or president of uh, Netflix said he has seen a four-hour cut of Cloud Atlas, which Cloud Atlas, I think, came in two, or three two, hours two, over two and a half hours. Um, he said he's seen a four-hour cut that was the Wachowski's like, first big cut they gave to the studio. And he says it's absolutely amazing. But due to studio restrictions and saying, hey, we're not putting out a four-hour movie. You got to cut this thing down. They turned in the two-and-a-half-hour film that did okay in the ratings, not so good in the box office. But... To him, it seems like this four-hour cut uh, is absolutely where the real uh, prowess of uh, the Wachowskis filmmaking comes from. Jupiter Ascending is a two-hour and seven-minute movie. Do you mm-hmm. think there's a four-hour cut of this somewhere that makes a lot more sense and would be a lot more interesting? No. You don't think so? I think there's maybe about a two-hour, 40-minute cut of it that it has taken out probably some interesting things, but probably a lot of boring stuff also. Because I'm just wondering with all the world building that they did in this movie, mm-hmm. if they added that in and in somewhere in the cutting room floor, Jupiter Jones becomes a more interesting and stronger character. Mm-hmm. If I would sit through a four hour cut of this movie, knowing how everything still plays out. Yeah. If I would find the movie more enjoyable. Because, you know, sometimes a director's cut can't be dramatically different than the release. I've said mm-hmm. for years that the the Daredevil movie with uh, Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. theatrical release is awful. But if you get your hands on the director's cut of Daredevil, mm-hmm. it's a really solid movie. It's not the greatest out there, but it is a solid movie. Mm-hmm. And it shows what meddling can do sure. to ruin a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if that's also the case here. If, if Warner Brothers, or who released this? Warner Brothers? Warner Brothers. If they were just like, hey, look, man, we're going to try to get as much money back as we can. We're coming in and we're chopping this up. Mm-hmm. 
maybe they didn't have final cut or whatever, yeah. but they went in and, and chopped it up to make it manageable and still hopefully get their movie back. I mean, I still think if there's a longer cut, I still think the script and especially the, that's the dialogue is interesting enough to, you know, want to watch a, you know, like a three hour cut of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Wachowski's working in a serialized format is absolutely a smart move from next tech or not next tech ne- Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because right, this movie has so much lore and background. It could have been a right. Game of Thrones in space. Yes, which yes, people that's exactly loved. what it would have been. If that's what it would have been, this would have been awesome yeah. as a serialized story because mm-hmm. there are definite chapter markers where yeah. each time she goes and meets one of the people, it's a whole different story. It's a whole different world. It's a whole different setting. It's a whole different costume change. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different situation that she has to get out of. Yeah. It would have worked that way. Just even like eight. One hour episodes. I would have I would have gone with eight or ten one yeah. hour episodes, I think would have would have much better made it much, much better. And yeah. you could have a you know, even with all the action sequences, you could still get in a good fifteen minute action sequence for every hour yep. or ten minute action sequence for every hour that you have, and maybe because that final act is on Jupiter is um just a big blow up battle by itself. It'd yeah. be like the whole hour, it'd be like the two hour finale yeah. of nothing but crap blowing up. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, Netflix, if you're listening, which I don't know why you would. Nope. Uh, of course I know why you would. You want to find out what people think about movies. Oh, We're sure. giving you a valued, yeah. informed opinion about movies. So yeah. Yeah. There you go. I I'm I, will you check out the Wachowski's uh, Netflix series? Absolutely. One hundred percent. This is not deterring me from the Wachowski's. You you know, every time I say I'm never going to watch a Wachowski movie again, <laughs> there's something that draws me back in. Because uh-huh. when Cloud Atlas came out and people were like, oh my God, what they've done with uh, with this storytelling is too too much. And I was just like, ah, I really don't want to see it. And then I watched it and I'm glad I did. Yeah, it was good. This one I really didn't want to watch. I'm not glad I did. Yeah. So it's a Speed Racer. I kind of watched and I saw what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy it. Uh, the third, second, and third Matrix. Second Matrix movie I enjoyed. Third Matrix mu- movie I really hated. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's kind of like this decline with a few spikes. Yeah, I already have a Netflix account. It's not going to cost me anything extra nope. to sit down and watch Wachowski's uh, series. Yep. So yeah, I'll watch the first couple of episodes. Cool. If it doesn't interest me, then I'm out. Sure, but if out. it's good, then hey, maybe they will find there a new go. light in in television or serialized media. Yep. Well, thanks for talking to me, Stephen. Not a problem. Sorry I made you sit through it. That's okay. What are we going to watch in March? I don't know. I'll have to check out the release dates. I I know what you could do, Zach. You could go and have all of our listeners head over to your Reddit uh, page. What is the Reddit address? It is reddit.com slash r slash Zach on film. And look up the March releases for everything that comes out in March. And pick the movie that you're most interested in us giving a a valued in-depth review and discussion about. Uh, Do keep in mind that if we can get uh, other people involved, we will do that. Absolutely. But uh, certainly share your thoughts over there on the Reddit page, and we'll find a movie in March uh, to, uh, to cover for you. A great idea. Thanks again to Stephen for stopping by and talking about movies with me. If you want to read the article that we kept referencing throughout the talk about the four-hour cut of Cloud Atlas and what the Wachowskis are planning to do in the future, that link is down in the show notes. It was an article from IndieWire, I do believe. Um, Really good stuff. We had a lot of feedback on the Reddit this week. I was kind of happy to see that. Um, people were commenting on the actual uh, Wachowski's going to Netflix. 
Mori Lakar, uh, I'm, you know, like usernames are so hard to pronounce. I'm already bad at names. Uh, he says it's not surprising many are starting to find the uh, hour fifty two hour limitations of a movie too hard to work with. I'm looking at you, Peter Jackson, and split movies. Dirt also said I am convinced the future is in television. Uh, a lot of you or a couple of you gave your thoughts about Jupiter Ascending. Other George W. He said, as much as I tend to enjoy the Wachowskis movies, I can't bring myself to watch this. Uh, Zinni, Zinnia, U-Z-I-A-N-E-U, over on the post on the subreddit, said, uh, is the most sartorial resplendent movie I have seen since 47 Ronin. Great use of words. He said, the battles were cool. The office scene was hilarious. Best not think too much about it because the goodwill evaporates quickly upon examination. I think a lot of people would absolutely agree with you, and uh, I think Stephen and Stephen and I certainly do as well. Uh, so as we talked next month, we would be looking at another movie, and as Stephen suggested, we will uh, yeah we'll, we'll take your suggestions on which movie we should go to the theater and see. Uh, hopefully, uh, by the time you listen to this, there will certainly be uh, a post up on the subreddit r slash zach on film subscribe there you'll see everything we're posting new a lot of stories podcasts and everything uh give your thoughts of movies that we should be reviewing in march i'll have a lot of the release date or the release uh films up there and uh you can comment and uh give your thoughts and opinions on which movie we should review i'm leaning towards chappie I'm pretty excited about that. I'm going to assume a few of you are also, but you may surprise me and pick something else. And now, on with the show. Last week, I thought it was a really good episode. We had a lot of good conversations on the film, uh, on the podcast, and uh, one of the listeners wrote me an email at zach at com and gave me a little feedback and his thoughts on the conversation. Uh, this comes from Michael Miller. Uh, uh, there was one part of his email that I really want to point out, especially uh, talking about American Sniper, uh, he said, uh, also, this movie could have taken place during any war. The Kyle character could have been placed in World War II, Vietnam, or even the Civil War. The movie is a simple story about a young man who had no real direction in his life. An event happened that caused him to make a decision in his life, and it changed him forever. Uh, I had never thought about that when thinking about American Sniper, which I've done a lot the last two weeks. Uh, I think he's absolutely right. I think there's nothing intrinsically that sets this film in Iraq. I think the situations can be um, transplanted to any time area, whichever war was happening. I think the story still could have totally worked, which uh, I responded. I haven't heard back from Michael yet. I asked uh, if he thought that made the movie worse or if it would have been better if it was specifically set in the Iraq war, as in the story was so tied to the Iraq war that it couldn't just be transplanted to any war. And I don't know, I think the universal messages certainly can come through in film, uh, and I think that's a good thing, that, that people can uh, 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 relate to them during an, any or any age they are, whatever background they have. I think that's always a good thing about film. Um, but I wondered if the movie would it be better if that if it was tied to the Iraq war. So I hope to hear back from Michael soon. I hope to hear back from you. Certainly hit me up on Twitter at, at ZWolf, Wolf with two O's, or at Zach at MajorSpoilers.com with any links to stories you want to hopefully have us talk about on the show or any thoughts and ideas you have about the current state of film or what's happening. And they most certainly will be read by me, and they might even just end up on the show. 
it's time for this week's edition of Zach's Cut, that portion of the show where I get to rant and rave and discuss anything I feel like because I'm in control of this show now. This week, I want to talk a little bit about colors. 50 of them, in fact. 50 Shades of Grey is releasing this weekend, and I don't know about your Facebook feed, but mine has just been overwhelmed, overwhelmed by people posting articles uh, calling for boycotts, why this movie is horrible, why people are horrible for watching it, or they can't understand why anyone want to watch something like this, or reading the book. And here's the deal. Uh, one, n- no one's watched this movie yet. So many little people have watched it. And I know, I played a game this morning where I'd click on an article and uh, uh, read <laughs> until they would say, oh, full disclosure, totally haven't read the book, totally haven't watched the movie. And I don't ever plan on doing it. <laughs> and then I would leave. Just to see how far into the article they would actually state that. And you know, I think there's an underlying... I think some people are like, it's an abusive relationship. And from what I understand, it's not totally... I mean, uh, I can understand where people are coming from for that thing. For me, though, I think all of the outrage about this film lies around one, one fact... And that is that the undertone of all this criticism, of all the awkwardness that people are feeling, and the ew <laughs> about Fifty Shades of Grey, is because it is a depiction of female sexual gratification instead of male sexual gratification. We've spent, I don't know, a better part of a century... Uh, focusing on the male sexual gratification in films. It happens all the time on TV and magazines, uh, on the on the internet. It's all over the place. But when it comes to female sexual gratification, that gets censored a little bit more. We're not as comfortable as a society. And by we, I'm really focusing on America because I don't live in other parts of the world. Uh, from what I understand, they're kind of more free about this, more open, more not as so much directed on... Uh, uh, male gratification or, you know, they actually allow their women to have sexual, be sexual beings and not just sexual objects, uh, from just, you know, watching different films, uh, from, uh, European countries. But here in America, not about that. I watched a film a while ago, it was a documentary, I believe it's called Not Yet Rated, and it talked a lot about the, uh, MPAA and, uh, certain things about that, about how they come down way more hard on films that show female sexual gratification more so than male gratification. Um, I mean, this is the same way with nudity. If nudity is going to be in the film, it's going to be allowed to be the female that is going to be nude, and that's going to slide under the radar and be okay, but if a guy pulls out his penis, <laughs> that's going to get an R no matter what. Uh, because the female body is there for guys to look at. And what, what I'm, I'm going to talk about these, uh, you know, gender roles, uh, I'm going to speak as a, a, a movie studio uh, advertising to the general public. And so when I say a naked woman is for a guy, uh, I'm, uh, I'm making broad assumptions. I'm not discounting uh, female, female uh, sexual attraction or male and male sexual attraction. I'm just saying in general, when uh, a studio is putting a naked female on the screen, that is for dudes. That's what they're, that's what they're going for. 
so they allow the female nudity because it's going to cater to the male demographic and they shun male nudity because that's for the females and so I had a problem with this, and I put it on. I put it out on Twitter. I put it out on Facebook. I said, "This is what I wrote." I said, "Flip the gender roles in Fifty Shades of Grey, and all the think pieces disappear. Flip the gender roles in Fifty Shades of Grey, and it goes from creepy to sexy. Show a man's orgasm face; no one bats an eye. Show a woman's people lose their minds. Uh, and some people agree with me. Some people didn't understand what I was going for, and I think that could have been my fault with my writing. Uh, a friend I made a long time ago in high school, Fritz, he lives in Germany, he said, uh, it's similar to with reactions whenever there is a news report about a female teacher having sex with underage male students, which is obviously just as illegal as a male teacher and a female student, yet the comments and debates are hugely different in the two situations. And that's pretty much what I was going for, is that if the female was in the dominant role and the male was in the submissive role in this Fifty Shades of Grey movie, that this movie disappears. No one's talking about it. Because in that situation, it's just another movie catered to male sexual gratification and throw throw a rock and you're going to hit one of those this year, just as you do every year when movies are released from Hollywood. And so that's what I, that's, I mean, that's my big problem with all these ragings against Fifty Shades of Grey is I think the undertone is um, don't show female sa- sexual gratification on the screen because... Ew. I, I don't even understand it. I don't understand it. It's because we've, uh, you know, America built on puritanical ideas and philosophies. Um, women certainly aren't uh, presented as sexual beings. Uh, that's like, oh, the guys are the sexual ones and the females are the conservative ones. But that's a broad generalization. Sure, that might be true for some, but it's certainly not true for everyone. Uh, And, you know, just in giant culture in America, we treat women as sexual objects and not sexual beings who have a sexuality and want to express it and want to have, uh, uh, you know, uh, good sex and nice sexual feelings and gratification. Um, But, you know, we don't really present that as much because uh, we cater to men. You know, and you know what? You know, I just have a lot of thoughts about film. And then I always see, like, oh, Fifty Shades of Grey, it's mommy porn. The book is mommy porn, and uh, the films are mommy porn. And it's, it's like, like bad. Like, it's like, oh, moms shouldn't have porn. But it's like, come on now. Come on now. We have, like, 80% of the internet is dated, dedicated towards porn for dudes. Why can't, why can't the moms have their... their, their "Quote unquote porn." It's not porn. I mean, come on. I'm I I'm guessing there's going to be little to no nudity in Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie. There's going to be there'll be more nudity in any American Pie movie. Uh, most certainly, I bet Wolf of Wall Street had more nudity in it last year than Fifty Shades of Grey will. So I just like I'm tired of people throwing fits over movies just so they can throw fits, get click uh, clicks on their blogs without having. Uh, uh, what you know, even taking in any of the media, it's just so annoying. Uh, and it's not going to stop, especially because people are just going to keep talking about it and hits and hits and hits. And look, I'm talking about it. Um, so I guess maybe I'm part of the problem as well. And there you have it. Another week is down of Zach on film make sure to be a part of the show there's so many ways you can get involved with the new format of zach on film you can send me an email at zach at majorspoilers.com 
remember, Zach is spelled Z-A-C-H because my dad couldn't spell. Uh, you can also send me a tweet, a, a, a tweet, if you will, a tweeter, a Twitter. Uh, at My Twitter handle is at ZWolfWolf with two O's. You can also comment on the Zach on Film subreddit reddit.com slash r slash exact on film subscribe post your own articles like this you talked about on the show create conversation that's what i want this show to be about that's what i want this whole thing to be focused around is creating conversation good deep critical conversation about the films that we are being shown and taking in and and what we are learning from them and you have to be involved for that to work you can find this episode at majorspoilers.com this podcast posting page you can give your thoughts and comments to the show there if you want along with all those other places that i just mentioned if you're listening to the show through itunes or if you're not but you have access to itunes do me a favor go over to itunes find the zach on film podcast feed give it a rating give it a comment you know make me feel good know you guys are out there listening it'll help boost the ratings more people can join the zach on film community which is great because the bigger it is the better the conversations we can have. And that's it for this week's episode of Zach on Film. We'll see you next time. is copyright 2015 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.